Hello, Hello. and oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to American Pale Males, your nerdy beer tasting podcast. As always, I'm your unable to speak without being spoken over Jeremy, and with me as always is the over speaking Michael. Yes, Michael. You were speaking over me. Well, something like that. Okay. Jeremy, I think we should get right into beer breaks. I think we both have some in depth, maybe. I mean maybe multifaceted as they come with occasions. Mine is braggadocious. Yeah. So what beer have you had in the past week? So, Michael, this past weekend I had a wedding reception in the family. Not a wedding, mind you, just the reception, as the Mm -hmm. wedding was a small, intimate, immediate family situation out in the mountains somewhere. I'm not entirely sure where it was, (laughs) but uh, the reception was held in Omaha at the Barchin Beer Garden, and I just sent you a menu... The PDF, as we discussed. Yes, yes, it is the PDF. Oh, they also made their website with Wix. Yeah, that's why it was misbehaving. Okay. That said, yeah, I they have a killer beer selection. Hmm. And you know what makes a killer beer selection even better? When it's open bar? When you go up to the door and it says, the Barchin Beer Garden is closed for a private party from whenever to whenever. Mm-hmm. And I go inside and see the uh, my uncle, uncle of the show, say... Oh, hey, go get a beer. Get, get whatever you want. And I'm like, oh, you, you don't say. Wow, a lot of German beers here. Some, yeah. The Duchess is on this list. Uh-huh. Delirium is on this list. That's right. La Trap Quad. Holy uh-huh. crap. So you'll also notice that the Hofbrau Maybach that we re- did a few weeks ago is on here. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, that was not. They had blown the keg on that one. Okay. Because that was the first one I went to. And then I was like, ooh, Brow Pact, that's on top. Same diff. Oh, yeah. Both of the two that we've had on this in the uh, past couple months were not there. But I had the Hacker Shore Oktoberfest to begin with. Mm -hmm. And granted, there's rotating beers that you can't really see on the insert because the insert's not here. But I believe the Hacker Shore was one of the ones on there. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, I've been yammering about true German Oktoberfests for a few weeks now and this is no different it's there it's just they just do this style of beer better than we do yeah and it's that's one of the big official six mm-hmm another one of the official six i believe and correct me if i'm wrong is warsteiner or vorsteiner however it's pronounced are they one of the big six um i'd have to okay i have to look into it because i forgot them already will you do that i feel like it was it seemed like everything they had there was Weihenstefan, Hofbrau, Hockershore, Warsteiner. Mm-hmm. And it's they're just so good. It's it's so refreshing to see a really good beer done well. Warsteiner is not on the official six. Interesting. The Munich breweries being Augustiner, Hockershore, Hofbrau, Lowenbrau, Pauliner, and Spaten. That's right. Uh, I did have the Pauliner Doppelbach. I think my father got that and I tried that one. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Uh, I don't know much about Doppelbox as far as the style goes. Um, I just know that this one, my my father had a sip out of it and then asked me, well, you know what you're talking about. What does this taste like? <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. And it's got some stone fruits in it. Oh, that's the Salvatore one there? So, yes, the Paul Honor Salvatore. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. That's Yeah, that's the strong one. It, it was strong. It hid the heat, as they say, pretty well. But you could still definitely tell it was there. I'm going to save the big one for the end. Then, quick side story mm-hmm. that ties in. Sure. My mother's side is from the 
country's largest all originally Danish settlement in the United States. Yes, Rollapulse. Rollapulse, correct, yes, same place. Um, they take their Danishness pretty strongly over there. And one of the things that they that they had, you know, after I had moved out and my parents my grandparents had passed away was they got their hands on some oddball Danish beers that I had never had before. My father said he really liked the Carlsberg Elephant. Not the regular Carlsberg, mm-hmm. specifically the Elephant. Oh, yes. Have you had this one? No, and I didn't realize that Carlsberg was Danish either. The Elephant is, I believe it was listed as a Euro Strong Ale or something goofy like that. Mm-hmm. It's a lager at seven-something percent. Wow. It's a European strong lager style beer, according to Beer Advocate. I did not have this at its coldest. The Carlsberg Group claims that it's a so-called Bach beer brewed for the first time in 1959. The ample use of malt gives Carlsberg Elephant a vinous, vinous, I'm not sure, and rich character with apple, melon, banana, and caramel flavors balanced with a dry bitterness and hints of oak, bark, nuts, and pine needles. That's pretty gracious. Okay. I don't know if that's 100% accurate. There was only one six-pack of this available at Hy-Vee, and I can't tell you how long it's been sitting on there, so for all I know, it was skunked. But it's it's interesting trying, you know, something that strong in a lager, because I don't know if I'd had anything that strong right, in that right. style. It kind of tastes like a super Heineken. Okay, okay. Minus a little bit of the tail end, skunky tail end, yeah. that a Heineken tends to have. Still a little bit of it, but... For the most part, it was a pretty clean European lager. I feel like the Europeans don't do lager. Well, the non-Germans don't do a non-Pilsner that well. Okay. I can't speak for Scandinavian beer at all. Right, yeah. Germany and the Czech Republic probably have that on lockdown. Austria? Yeah, uh, yes. That little uh, tri-state area. It's weird when you have to explain to people who aren't from this country that each state is basically like its own little country. Yeah. But we'll save the geopolitics for another time. <laughs> okay. But, uh, Michael, you mentioned the king doo-doo of them all. I had Latrap Quad on tap. Yeah, okay. Like I wasn't going to have that. Right. In 1991, the Konigshoven Brewery baptized her beloved quadruple under the approving glance of the monks. <laughs> A closely guarded recipe became reality and the first quadruple beer in the world was born. Warm amber colored with a creme, not cream, a creme colored head. Aroma is hints of cloves and nuts, balanced by the sweet aromas of vanilla, raisins, and banana. La Trappe Quadruple is the heaviest of La Trappe Trappist ales and is eponymous of this ale style. Okay. A full, warming, and intensive taste, malty with the sweet tones of date and caramel. Yeah, and that's <laughs> about it. Well, well said, La Trappe. Just real heavy... Um, thick it's it's really really heavy um unlike some of those other quads that i slash we have had in the past it kind of doesn't hit the stone fruits as hard okay or, or like the date the raisin still there don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but i feel like the malt kind of came through a little bit clearer yeah than this one to me that'd be actually preferable i mean i like hints of those dark yeah. fruits but like, if there's too much, it can be overbearing. I, I agree wholeheartedly. So, at the bottom of this website, but yeah, the Latrap Quad, top shelf, if you can find it, on tap. and uh, Oh, on tap too, yeah, jeez. Add an extra half start of that one when it's free. 
Well, free for me anyways. <laughs> it's interesting here. The restaurant beer garden place has little descriptions. And the Doppelbach, as you this little description reminds me of something. It says the finest hops and dark barley malt served by monks as a replacement for food during Lent. My father was amused by that. So they were um, doubling down on the grains in their, in their recipe mm-hmm. for calorie supplementation. But at the same time, they were fasting. <laughs> and they're drinking these. I mean, this one is almost 8%. That's It's pretty heavy beer. Drunk monks. This is the Salvatore, right? Yes. Yeah. The place also had a little bit of sass on the menu. I don't know if you've looked at the mixed drinks or if it's as up-to-date as it was that I saw on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But uh, they definitely have a dark and stormy dot, dot, dot Daniels. Oh, yeah, I see that. I, I don't know if there's anything different because why would I get a mixed drink at a German beer hall? <laughs> right, yeah. But I was amused by that. $5 mac and cheese. (laughs) Uh, uh, Michael, now that I've uh, made you jealous, now it's your turn to try try and make me jealous with your beer brag for the week, sir. Well, let me start off. uh, I do have a beer brag event, but let me start off with just a normal brag. Kind of follow up to what we were talking about last week. Again, playing catch up with you, Jeremy, this time a year later, I did Mm. have the Atomic Pumpkin Ale oh yeah, from New Belgium. I'm curious. Um, it's very odd. Um, it's kind of oh. unlike anything that's out there. It has a very strong cinnamon profile. Mm-hmm. And then also the heat, which is I think it's habanero, isn't it? I believe it is a habanero. Yeah. That was strong too. Mm-hmm. But actually, between those two, I I like the habanero uh, and. The cinnamon, other kind of spiciness to it, I thought it was a little too much. Really? So, yeah, that's kind of what I didn't like about it. I wish I wish it had more of a beer flavor. It lacked beerosity to an extent because the front bit. end was all like cinnamon and I didn't really get a lot of malt. And then the back end is a lot of heat, mm-hmm. which I ended up liking because, and you can, as a heat seeker yourself, Jeremy, you can confirm this. Well, let's slow down on that. To an extent. More than me, okay. we'll say. Um, sure. I mean, when you have something hot, and I believe this is why people pursue hot foods, is it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a, a buzz, a little bit of a endorphin rush, you know, kind of like your pores open and you get a little, you kind of breathe a little deeper. I was going to say, I've been putting a lot of Tabasco on my eggs lately to uh, decongest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're, Frank's. You're... I'm not a maniac. It's Frank's. What am I <laughs> The sinuses open up. I don't know. You just kind of get the, like this little... I don't know, maybe sympathetic response or something when you have something hot. This gave me that, so I got that little rush from it that you would normally never get from a beer. So uh, I liked that. (laughs) Part of me would like to think what would happen if you had, like, a beer with tobacco in it. (laughs) Or, like, like they just load up a whole bunch of nicotine into a beer. And you're like, yeah, it's this thing. It it makes your lips tingle, and you feel great afterwards. (laughs) I don't know what's going on, like, if you didn't know that it had tobacco in it. (laughs) You can drink it or vape it. Um, Oh, gross. (laughs) That's truly disgusting. It is. But at the same time, with that heat, it wasn't, like, refreshing. You know, I think I've run into this problem with heated beers before where you're Mm -hmm. you're drinking them and you're like, oh, man, I could, that's nice and hot. I kind of like that. I could use something to kind of take the edge off. I'm like, oh, I'll drink this (laughs) beer that I have in my hand. Wait a minute. That's more uh, more of the heat. So... I would say I would, because of all that, that all being said, I would classify it more of a a freak beer. Oh, totally. 
worth having once a year, but I wouldn't six-pack it. I got it in a mix-and-match, and I think just the one was fine. Maybe if you're a bigger fan of, like, heat or cinnamon, I guess, maybe, you know, a six-pack would be great. But for me, it's like, oh, yeah, I've had this. This is enough for, for the season. So. so so like you said, I had this last year. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to try it again because I remember liking it a lot and raving. Yeah, if me too. I, th- what stays with me anyways is that I liked the blend of the cinnamon and the heat because usually it's one or the other. With this particular beer, it kind of felt like there were red hots in the bottom of the beer. It didn't taste like it. because if you, I'm assuming at some point, Michael, that you just like put a whole handful of red hots in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point uh, in my life, I'm sure. Yeah, you, you've probably done that. Am I remember? Did they used to make cinnamon warheads, like hot warheads, or am I making that up? That seems... Now that you say it, I could be making up the memory in my head, but they almost have to have. But I, I like the mix, and I also, I really liked the pump, pumpkinity, pumpkin, pumpkinaceousness. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I remember really liking that beer. To me, if it was more of a beer centered rather than those adjunct flavors, I think I would have liked it a little more. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, it wasn't bad, and and for having such odd flavors, it's well made. Mm-hmm. So. It's a testament to interesting brewing, good brewing, I guess you could say. But at the same time, it's like, well, I think I like some of this other Oktoberfest stuff we've been having over this particular one. I don't think we're quite far enough into the uh, the season. Right. Yeah, I'm going to have more Bragg's uh, novelty. Well, novelty is a little harsh. Novelty mm-hmm. and um, traditional alike. So we'll see where it lands amongst the echelon of all those beers. So I can't find whether I swear on like the graves of everyone I hold dear that they had hot warheads. Only thing I'm finding right now is warheads, hothead, extreme heat, gummy worms. You know that was probably a long time ago too. That's. I think these things feel. These things seem new. Yeah, I'm seeing. Oh yeah, I'm seeing the worms too. The hotheads. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, that that said, we can get like three and three quarters pounds of this for $24, Michael. <laughs> oh, boy. Sizzling strawberry, atomic green apple, and fiery watermelon. Yeah, your tongue's out of commission for the rest of the day. Just the idea of four pounds of candy. Like, I <laughs> I can I can house hot tamales, even the extreme hot tamales, the super hot ones. Mm-hmm. Like, I can house those things pretty good, but... The candy. The candy, yes. Yeah. Four pounds, I don't know, man, that's a lot. Four pounds of anything made of, like, that goo. <laughs> it's like, you know, H- the inner core H- of the HFCS. Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> oh, yet another uh, sidetrack. Uh, we have a Canadian who works in my place of employment, mm-hmm. and he found out when he first moved to the States that if you write a company and say something nice, when usually they get the only time you would write to them, He's like, your product sucks, and here's ten reasons why you are bad. Oh, yeah. That the uh, the poor interns, they run the good letters up the flagpole pretty quick. Mm-hmm. He wrote the Hot Tamales people about how he enjoyed their product, like, shortly after he moved into the States, and they sent us what felt like a pallet of Hot Tamales. Oh, my God. There were seriously, like, a hundred boxes of Hot Tamales in this giant crate that came. <laughs> and they're just like, thank you, uh, Dr. So-and-so. Uh, here, have a whole bunch of free candy. Wow. It's It seriously had to be like $300 worth of hot tamales. It was insane. <laughs> More than you need in a lifetime. 
Yeah, we we legitimately were had about 25, 30 people eating those, and we didn't get through them for about a month and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've had a hot tamale since then. (laughs) Yes. Michael, what do you think is the best price you can get on nine pounds of hot tamales? (laughs) You've been doing some research. Yes, I have. Nine pounds of hot tamales. Uh, So a little box is probably like quarter of a pound maybe. The theater style boxes are five ounces. Okay. So the the big er ones. Okay. So yeah. So. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I will disgu- say. It's disgusting. Thirty dollars for nine pounds. That's actually really close. It's Amazon is having it at twenty eight oh five. Although there's allegedly more options available, with a best price of sixteen dollars and ninety six cents, which ooh the ones that. Gross. Fell off the truck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a dollar eighty-eight per pound of hot tamales, Michael. Plus twenty dollars shipping. No, thank you. Oh, I'll there's take, that's where they there, get you. There's the kicker. Yeah, but that's enough uh, candy back and forth. My other beer brag. So I went to an event at Wisconsin Brewing Company, and this event was the Pumpkin Chuck. Oh, you. Ah, you. Oh, a little jealousy. I'm gonna go to one of these at this point. Yeah. So they have a giant trebuchet that they'd load up with pumpkins and hurl into their giant pond that's on their property. The idea was at the end of the night, they had this big floating raft Mm. stacked with wooden pallets that they were going to light a blaze at the end of the night and just throw all the pumpkins they could at it. And during the event, they were just lobbing a few into the pond just to kind of get it set up and entertain the crowd so the mm-hmm. lake had just a bunch of pumpkins floating in it some shattered to pieces as it did mm. hit the raft so that was entertaining got to see the trebuchet launch a few times but unfortunately before they lit the thing ablaze it was rained out a oh, lame i know so uh we did get to see the chucking in action but none of the uh stunt spectacular that uh we were hoping to see i did get to try two beers though over oh, there. Fill me in. I had a little sip of their Oktoberfest, which is called Octo Ale. Mm. And this was almost more on the European side because it had a real zesty, spicy um, front end from, I believe, from hops. Um, so I was thinking maybe there was Saz in there or something because it also had a mm-hmm. strong, noble finish. And then a nice, solid malt without being sweet like the, what, the Oso Oktoberfest. That was really like. Yep, and Amber. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nice to see the hops come through in that. So I thought the Oktoberfest was pretty good. One of the better ones that we've had this year. And then I've had their Depth Charge, which Mm. I discussed going to that event earlier Mm -hmm. this year. I believe this is still from last year's batch. And this was the non-barrel-aged version. I've had the barrel-aged before. This was just a straight version. And it's a Scotch Ale. But it doesn't register so much as a Scotch Ale because it's not super peaty. Um, but it still has mm-hmm. a rich maltiness to it. And then this also has a pretty high ABV. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it was like around 8% or something. And that really enhances the flavor. It kind of creates this, again, a zestiness, a little kind of uh, dancing across the tongue. And uh, it's real easy to drink for being a, a heavy hitter. So both those beers were really good. It's just so sad that we did not get to see something start on fire. <laughs> it's true. I have a real quick American Pale Mail Mail Pale. Ooh, interesting. Um, Michelle forwarded an article via Twitter to me, and it's actually something on CNN Money. So it's Beer Biz. We're talking Beer Biz here. 
Mm -hmm. And they were asking the question in the headline, what's killing big American beer? It's from back in July. And I think this reaffirms, I'm going back to the book, Jeremy. As Um, always. A little bit about what the book was talking about, about different trends in just the alcoholic beverage industry in general. It basically said that wine is expanding over beer in the past 15 years. Beer moving down about 9% to 46% of the market share compared to wine moving up 7% to 37% of the market share Hmm. and the rest being spirits, which gained a percent over that period of time. I'm surprised spirits is so low. Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of surprised too. They just seem so prevalent. Yeah, craft spirits are, uh, you know, on the way up. Well, that's that's exactly what they said in the article. Craft wine and craft spirits kind of taking a hint from the beer industry are growing rapidly. I should know. <laughs> Try a North 40 vodka by Lonely Oak Distilling. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. Yeah. They say also it could be a, a shift in younger drinkers, too, who tend to go across categories rather than just stick to one. Mm-hmm. And um, also, more women are drinking, too. And they tend to true. favor wine and cocktails. That's true. Fiance of the show at the Wednesday night trivia out at Wine Styles. Uh, we'll get one of those half price glasses of whatever super sweet white wine they have. Yes. I hadn't thought of that. So, this is mainly about big American beers, Bud Light, Budweiser, etc. But mm-hmm. they said that craft beer is also slowing their rate of growth. Not necessarily a downturn, but slowing down Just compared slow. to the heyday, which is kind of uh, inevitable. They even say that in the. Uh, I'd article. say we're still in the heyday. I, I mean, it's just like it's there, it's going to come to a point where it levels out. Right. Because infinite growth is not you know, market possible. saturation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's at some point there will be too many breweries. I don't think we're even remotely close to it. Whether or not it's you know a oh what was the Kansas one? Oh, it was in Manhattan, Kansas. Tallgrass. Yes. Tallgrass. Whether I like Tallgrass is a poor idea because you know basing your your viability on distributing 17 states or whatever it was is not necessarily the greatest idea that I've ever heard. Yeah, um, not sustainable. That kind of strikes me as getting too big for your britches too quickly, which is why I'm glad uh, the locals are staying local. Right? Yeah, yeah. The regional markets are really saturated, I think, at this point. Yeah, yeah. I guess final thing from this article, there's a quote from AB InBev CEO Carlos Brito. Of course there is. Or Brito. Maybe I said that wrong. Again, he makes some appearances in the book. Um, yeah, he does. Um, is he one of the cutthroat Brazilians? Yes. He is okay. like the... like The cutthroat <laughs> yeah. Brazilian. Um, one of the three. And I, this quote might be out of context a little bit, but... Um, I hope it is. He says, and let me know if you agree with this. Budweiser is the perfect beer for high-energy, premium party occasions... You know, I always feel like a weirdo whenever I have Budweiser, like just regular Budweiser. Uh-huh. Because as we've said, there is a time and a place for it. Right. It's not terribly often, but sometimes it's like I just want to have a beer and like watch a basketball game after work and not have to make it a big thing. Right. Like when the game is on ESPNU or some channel that I don't pay for, I'll go to a, you know, McGurganers or some other local place mm-hmm. with a lot of TVs, eat chicken wings, and have a Budweiser because it's refreshing. That said, out on those tailgates, I don't see a Budweiser. Right, yeah. I just, like, high energy, like, 
I don't know, I think of like a rave or something. And I, I don't think of people drinking Budweiser. Maybe that's a bit too high energy, but... Yeah, there's also something that we haven't brought up. Mm-hmm. Toppling Goliath and Thu resolved their legal dispute. Oh, yeah. That's a good, so yeah. this So the, the quick refresher, this is the story of uh, a brewer left Decor's Toppling Goliath to go work with, a, I believe, his brother at Thu Brewing in Cedar Rapids, which has only been mentioned on the show as a beer brag from me. He had some sort of distance clause in his contract or his severance, or he was not supposed to be working within a certain radius of Toppling Goliath for X amount of years. And he was. They took him to court. It looked bad for everyone, but thankfully they've resolved it. Terms and conditions of the settlement are not available at this time, Michael. Which is, I mean... It's good for everyone, but I kind of wish that they were available. I want to know. You want to know the the inside scoop? Maybe I'll go to Thu and figure out what's going on, because I haven't been there yet. <laughs> that was good to see, though. Oh, and there's one more thing in the American Pale Mail Pale, Jeremy. Okay. Uh, it looks like it's from Grubs of the show. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, so, no. I don't like where this she- is going. <laughs> and she says... Dear sirs, I am deeply offended that you would refer to my two adorable children as incubators. <laughs> my children are well cared for and do not harbor any germs whatsoever. If you would be so kind to issue a correction, I would greatly appreciate it. In the meantime, I will carry on patronizing your lovely podcast. Signed, Grubs of the Show, first of her nickname, Keeper yeah. of the Couch, Protector of the Cars from Not Getting Parking Tickets, and Mother of Germless Babies. That's fair, and th- that last part's a lot. Okay, so uh, <laughs> there, there were a few times at Riot Fest where I forgot to put the little news sticker in my window. Mm-hmm. So uh, thanks, Grubs. As I said at the time, thank you. <laughs> okay, okay. But the fact that my fiancé is still hacking up, you know, God knows what, on the couch, and the fact that I've been coughing this entire time. Uh, I will not retract that statement. They're children. That's what they do. Michael, you have a child. Does she get sick? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, all right, fine. They're great. I have to say, too, and I guess I'm, I'm siding with Jeremy. I'm not saying anything specific about those children, about the children of Grubs, but I can tell you that my child... Um, has made me more sick than I've like <laughs> since like grade school. I haven't been as that sick since grade school. Like not able to walk up the stairs, sick. <laughs> um, I I haven't been quite that bad. Like I kind of dealt with it. I had two days of hell, and then it mm-hmm. was it just was like uh lame. But yeah, I I saw how many Kleenex those boys were going through. All right, <laughs> I was there. I have pictures of this small boogery child. So if she wants to uh, start throwing proof down, I've got proof. (laughs) They're wonderful little boys. And I kind of hate children unless I know that their parents are not going to turn them into monsters. There's like five kids that I know for sure that are not going to grow up to be monsters. Yours is is one of them. Hers are the other two. And then (laughs) Steve's are the last two. (laughs) Okay, okay. So... This this is not just a a family thing, and I don't know if her children are in daycare, but if yeah, they oh yeah they, yeah it, yeah it's curtains it's oh yeah it's game over man done. yeah yeah well in any case I guess you don't get your apology grubs but oh okay um, how, how about this okay <laughs> I'll issue a correction as she okay I believe she asked for I wasn't a correction not okay. an apology is okay what she asked yeah for. 
Correction. Maybe incubators was harsh. <laughs> As you work with incubators at your I do job, work probably. with incubators. <laughs> Our incubator is broken and it's giving me quite the uh, headache. All I'm saying is they're constantly warm at about, you know, eh, 30-some, 40 degrees Celsius. <laughs> Germs grow on them and they look like they have agar pouring out of them. <laughs> you take that and apply that as you will. I, I will leave it at that. Yeah, we'll break that down a little bit. So, yeah, um, I'll get out the charts next week. Okay. So thank you, Grubs, for writing in. Thank you, it's always Grubs. appreciated. And patronizing our podcast is always appreciated, too. So thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll close Brews News slash American Pale Man Mail Pale. Jeremy, let's get on to the FDR. What is the FDR? The FDR is wherein we find a beer, drink a beer, and then we rate that beer. As we record, we're finally in October, the greatest of months. And while this is not an Oktoberfest, boy, it sure feels like it. Michael, what are we having? Yes, you're right, because this is straight out of Germany. This is, oh boy, didn't ever say this out loud till just now. Kostritzer. The umlauts throw me off every time. Yeah. Is it Kost or Kost? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Only time I've ever seen umlauts is on Motorhead. <laughs> Pretty sure those are extraneous. Yes. Kostritzer, we'll say. Kostritzer. Um, so let me tell you a little bit more about this one, Jeremy. That's the brewery, Michael, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, well, this beer is kind of synonymous with them, although they do offer other products. Kind of like a yingling. Yeah, in that vein. This is their Schwartz beer. Right on their um, main page, every year, Kostritzer produces more than 400,000 hectoliters of Schwartz beer, making it Germany's number one black lager beer brand, a position it has now held for 20 years. They've been around, though, since 1543. Dang. Yeah, they're a really old brewery. They are um, now owned by the Bitburger Brow Group. Are they evil? I was trying to look into that. I think they are just own a few German breweries, a few German labels, and not much beyond that. I don't think anybody else owns them. So Gotcha. Relatively on the up and up, it seems. Kind of a regional player. They do have some solid brands under their belt. Yeah, I was looking at that too. So, flavor text here. Kostritzer Schwarzbeer. A mahogany color and a lasting cream-colored finely poured head are the defining features of Kostritzer Black Lager Beer. <laughs> I'm going to say that different every time. Awesome. Uh, its expressive fragrance evokes a range of intense spicy aromas, including, ooh, this will be interesting to see, mm-hmm. sage, roasted chestnuts, dark honey, bitter chocolate, and fresh farm bread. Dry on the palate and marked by bittersweet herbal and toasting aromas. The intense aromas are balanced by the gently sparkling carbonation with freshness and elegance. This is very, this is very poetic f- and verbose. Um, I was going to say, this is, this is a pretty flowery uh, description yeah. here. With delicate bitter tones and malty sweetness, it finishes slowly on the palate a complex, many-layered black lager beer that tastes lean and refreshing with its abundance of flavors. Kutzschritzer, it's all about taste. Fun fact, Michael, you got this one. Yeah. Didn't you? Okay. I, I honestly don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you were asserting something there or asking. No, 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 no. I mean, it was, I was trying to play it off as both. Okay. I don't think we've had a Schwarzbeer on the show before. I don't know, but they are a delightful beer. Um, yes. Dark lager is basically what yeah. it comes down to. Literally black beer. I, I wish I spoke German because there's a lot of German on this can. Yeah, I see that Gebrauch too. nacht dem Deutschen Reinheitsgebot. You just got to say it like you know what you're doing. <laughs> Lean into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, um, technically, I am part German. So this this is, like they say, Germany's number one black lager beer. Has an old pedigree. I'm not sure if, you know, recipes change. Has German purity law. So is that going for it? And uh, it's a uh, 4.6 ABV. And the last thing I'll say, it's a 500 milliliter can. Tall boys. 1.9 fluid ounces. So, it's, yeah, it's one of those big, weird foreign volumes. We'll see. I just kind of picked this up. I'm like, well, you know, we have October coming up. This is German. You know, it kind of fits the season a little bit. So let's get into it. Do you want to know the secret to their premium quality, Michael? I've been rerouting the encryptions and uh, doing a lot of hacking while you've been talking. Okay. And I, I found the secret. Since the introduction in 1516 of the Reinheitsgebot, the German purity law, which has been governing German breweries for half a millennium, German beer is a 100% natural product. By 1885, it had been confirmed officially, and I quote, Kostritzer black lager beer may not only be declared pure and unadulterated, but, ellipses, it is also a beer that is very beneficial to the human body. Oh. So, I mean, this is, it says it right there, Michael, in black <laughs> and white, it's good for us. Well, we better get drinking it then. I agree. This is a very black lager. Oh my god, yeah, holding up to the monitor there. It's almost like a stout. It does kind of look like it. You get a little bit of light coming through the bottom of the glass, but aside that, it's... There, it's pitch. And a very frothy head, as I think mm-hmm. you were about to say. Looks like a stout, but it's got a very uh, lagery head to it. Interestingly enough, um, another thing is, so this is brewed in, you know, what was formerly East Germany, and I read, like, it was one of the few products that was exported during the uh, Cold War Interesting. for a period of time. Hey, no, hey, hey, hey. Let's leave the beer out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? We can all agree. It's like, um, you suck, we suck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't. Uh, let's give it a smell. I can't. I'm not pulling a lot of smell. I got a um, dome of head on mine. It's very um, luxurious. They really go all out on this quality tab on the website. Maybe that's a big German marketing point. Right down to the soft spring water with its perfect mineral composition. But uh, let's dig into this obscenely black ale. I just went in. Kind of tastes like I expected it to, but that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has that, yeah, light lager body and effervescence, but a, a dark beer taste, obviously. Hint of roast. It's ex- extremely effervescent, I think, as we were figured out, but it's uh, very fizzy. I like it. Yeah, despite it being a, a roasted beer, it's very quaffable. 100%. This has a nice light body on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's this is good. Yeah, the roast is modest. Yes, modest is unobtrusive. It's good. I'm trying to like compare it to, you know, like coffee stouts and stuff we've had in the past. So I was just thinking the same thing. Like this is enjoyable. It's hitting the spot right now. Mhm. But it makes me want a porter. Yeah, it's just such a light body. Mhm. A bold taste on a light body basically and it, it kind of It's it's weird. It is weird. Yeah, it's a weird dichotomy. I mean, it, it's it's what a Schwartz beer is. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's obviously true to the style, if not the style. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it just in what we're used to, I think, when it comes to this type of flavor note. Mm-hmm. What do we feel like would make this beer better if it's staying in the lager realm? Because I feel like we're both sort of slightly above average. Right. Like there's just the borderline, like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, you know... And the, I think you're also kind of tied, too, by having to do the German purity law, because maybe you could put, like, an adjunct in there to kind of, like, complement that roast flavor. See, I don't know 
personally if I think it would need an adjunct. I see where you're coming from, and I like where your head's at. I, I mean, but, no, it wouldn't be a true Schwarzbier, and it wouldn't be well, like yeah, yeah. But I, I see, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's got to be that German yada yada yada. I think it would you know benefit from just more. Just just more. Right. Yeah. Like if this was a double short a doppel Schwartz beer. Boom. Or yeah. a double. Or just a little more intensity of the flavor, little mm-hmm. more of a kick to it, ABV wise or otherwise. I want more. I want more meat hanging off its bones. Yeah. I like the style. I like the feel. I like all that stuff. I just wish it was heartier. Right. Yeah, I find myself kind of just going back to kind of supplement the previous drink, which is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. Um, Let's go back to what they note on the website about sage, roasted chestnuts, dark honey, bitter chocolate, and farm baked bread. The chocolate I'm getting a little bit of. Mm -hmm. The The bitterness of a chocolate, yeah. The sage, no. What about roasted chestnuts? Um, I couldn't tell you what a roasted chestnut tastes like, so I am getting a little bit of nuttiness to it as it warms up, but it's certainly not anything that I would uh, write home to mother about. All right. I think a lot of the flavor, just being a roasted beer, comes in the aftertaste as the beer is well down the gullet. Mm-hmm. Still flavors dancing in the tongue that kind of evolve as you talk or breathe or what have you. Sure. Do you think this is too effervescent? Well, let me turn the question around back to you okay if this was nitro would it be better yes yeah that's yeah some smoothness Mm-hmm. but then it's kind of like a guinness though and is that exciting do they do a lot of nitro lagers i can't i can't think of any of them i've had because yeah, they're always like a nitro ale of some sort yeah hmm i mean this is good it's just it's just sort of vanishes into thin air for me. Right. You get a little bit of that roasty, you know, aftertaste. Not in a bad way, but a little bit of that roasted bitterness. But it just doesn't hang around very much. Right. And that is not something you can say about the other German styles we've been talking about in the past couple weeks. That's true. Compared to the the other ones, like, we've been oogling Mm -hmm. over have just really hit it out of the park. And this one is just like, yeah, all right, that's, that's okay, but... We're not, like, ranting and raving. Sure, because, like, a, a Warsteiner Oktoberfest, granted, that's an changing it. Mm-hmm. A good, solid Pilsner. Right. That the taste hangs around. Not in a bad, like, bitter beer face mm-hmm. sense, but you get the flavor and it doesn't leave. Whereas this one is just kind of in and out, and then it kind of, you get that weird, beery aftertaste. So I'll go in for a rating real quick here. Go for it. I think the ideal sitting for this beer is in a beer hall or a beer garden. Mm-hmm. After you've had a couple other lagers, you know, over this is like a... A session. A session, like five hours hanging out with people. And you've had a couple other ones, and now you just want to change it up. You still want that same easy-to-drink German-style beer, but you just want mm-hmm. to, like, go on the other end of the spectrum. You've, you've had a, a Hellas... You've had a dunkel, and now you just want to go into the deep end. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> well. You know, as far as... The deep end of the Platte River. Of <laughs> of, uh, of of German lagers. Sure. I think that's where you kind of go. German lagers that are still sessionable. Sure. Adding okay. more qualifications on. Sure. Eh, it happens. So, yeah. 
you know, I was probably going to rate it a little higher, but now that you brought in the fact, like, well, there's other German beers that we loved a lot more than this. True, but we haven't had the style. Right, and that's it makes it a little more difficult mm-hmm. to do that. Like, I, I got to press F to pay respects for the... <laughs> Press oh oh yeah yeah okay I I, rem- I remember now for the, like the the just the overall like pedigree and history of the beer but at the same time I wouldn't find myself reaching for it often just uh, maybe in the very specific scenario that I described yeah oh I'll kind of hedge a little bit I'll give it a three point two five because it's not bad no it's not it's bad it's just, it's just sort of forgettable yeah um I'm going two point seven five. Okay. Like I I like it, but it's just not, it's not wowing me. Like I, those others. What were those others had, and you know what I had hoped for. It's I mean that's kind of all there is to it. It's just sort of there. I f- I find myself kind of let down because like even the the English beer that I had or the Welsh beer for that matter. Mm-hmm. Say what you will, it may it may be a low ABV or in low bitterness, low everything, but it has. This is a brains from Wales is not lacking in flavor, and this one just kind of—it's not strong enough. Right. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's worth a try. Michael, it's another one down the goal. How about you? I uh, hit us up with social media plugs. Yeah, get in touch with us. You can do so in a variety of ways: Facebook, Twitter at APM Pod. There, get in touch directly: APMPod at gmail dot com. Also, APM Pod on Untapped, where host emeritus Mike, keeper of the Untapped, puts all our ratings there. Thanks, Mike like share subscribe review rate whatever you can do on your favorite podcasting app and i think that that's about it so for jeremy i've been michael for michael i've been jeremy and this has been american pale males cheers cheers cheers